Chapter 3 of Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them by Harroward Carrington. Chapter 3 Fear and How to Banish It. We are our own greatest enemies. We create the majority of the ills from which we suffer. In psychic investigation, more people have suffered from fear than from any other depressing emotion. But in nine cases out of ten, these fears have been perfectly groundless, and the subject has had all his fears and worry for nothing. He has crossed his bridges before coming to them. Were he to reflect for a moment, he would find that the terrible things he feared very rarely came to him, that the majority of the experiences which he actually went through were of such a nature that he needn't have feared them at all. Fear wrecks, faith saves. Fear is not only useless, for the reason that it prevents nothing, but it is actually harmful from this double standpoint. In the first place it helps to induce the condition we are fearing. As Job said, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. He thought about and dreaded certain conditions so much that he doubtless created them, while had he not done so they would never have come upon him. Professor William James gives us a very good illustration of the way in which fear sometimes brings about its own fulfillment. He says, Suppose that, for example, I am climbing in the Alps, and have the ill luck to work myself into a position from which the only escape is by a terrible leap. Being without similar experience, I have no evidence of my ability to perform it successfully, but hope and confidence in myself make me sure that I shall not miss my aim, and nerve my feet to execute what without those subjective emotions would perhaps have been impossible but suppose that on the contrary the emotions of fear and mistrust predominate or suppose that i feel that it would be sinful to act upon an assumption unverified by previous experience why then i shall hesitate so long that at last exhausted and trembling and launching myself in a moment of despair i miss my foothold and roll into the abyss in this case and this is one of an immense class the part of wisdom clearly is to believe what one desires for the belief is one of the indispensable preliminary conditions for the realization of its object there are then cases where faith creates its own verification believe and you shall be right for you shall save yourself doubt and you shall again be right for you shall perish the only difference is that to believe is greatly to your advantage. The obvious lesson to be drawn from this is that you should not fear the unknown or unseen until you have had just cause to do so. If you do, it will predispose you to experience the very manifestations you most dread. Evil Effects of Fears Upon the Body in the second place fear has a destructive and depressing effect upon the body it depletes the vitality lowers the respiration and doubly incapacitates you from performing any serious rational work or carrying on any rational common-sense train of thought 
Fear, therefore, is certainly to be avoided, for it helps nobody and harms everybody. But, the reader may object, I cannot control my fear so easily. It is a thing beyond my power. I do not pursue fear. It pursues and overtakes me. To a certain extent, this may be true. There are two kinds of fear, the unreasoning, instinctive fear, and the conscious, reflective fear. The former is a relic of our lowly ancestry, and is shared by all the higher animals. We cannot help that but such fear, as a rule, is only momentary, and is over in a few instants. We have the impulse to flee, etc., which demands immediate expression, but this instinctive fear may be overcome by the mind. Our reason tells us, upon second thought, that we have no cause to fear, and we stop abashed and ashamed of ourselves. This is not the fear which we have to correct, as a rule, since it is bodily rather than mental, and of short duration. THE KIND OF FEAR TO FEAR The conscious, mental fear is that which bothers us and which we should learn to cure. We are sufficiently advanced in civilization, and in the understanding of things spiritual, to know that all is natural. Nothing is supernatural. Even if a spirit returns to us, that is a natural event, though it may not be a common or ordinary event, and for this reason we call it supernormal. But why should we be afraid of the spirit of a dearly beloved friend or relative, or even the spirit of a stranger coming to us in this way, any more than we should be afraid of it when coming to us in the flesh? It is the same spirit. In one case possessing a physical body, in the other case animating only an ethereal body. Of what is there to be afraid? Spirits are but human beings such as ourselves. We are spirits here and now, just as much as we ever will be. Spirits are, in fact, human beings who have passed through a certain experience, called death. And as Professor Mino Sauvage says, they are just folks. Why, therefore, should we be afraid of them? THE POWERS OF DARKNESS We must school the mind to reflection, and by due exercise of the reason and the will, not to be afraid of such happenings, but rather to accept them and be thankful for them, and to treat them either as scientific happenings, or as spiritual events of great significance and help. In either case there is truly no cause to fear. It is true that in the case of many persons, darkness brings with it a peculiar sense of dread, which is experienced by nearly all children, and which is to a certain extent shared by many animals. A dog will go to the door of a dark room, peer in, and slink away. Even insects often refuse to go into dark places. The cat alone seems to enjoy the uncanny sensation which accompanies darkness and we know that cats are proverbial ghost-lovers, while dogs are the reverse. It may be that there is more truth in this belief than many realize. We know that the orthodox devil was known as the king of the powers of darkness, and all evil things are associated with that state. On the other hand, Jesus was said to be the light of the world, and light always accompanied spiritual manifestations, as it does today. The expression made use of by Mr. Hamlin Garland some years ago in his book The Tyranny of the Dark may therefore have a certain foundation. 
there are perhaps principalities and powers which can operate more freely and fully in the dark than in the light but only if they are allowed to do so by the fear and the attitude and mind of the person experiencing them we remember that in pilgrim's progress the travellers were repeatedly warned that no harm could come to them so long as they faced their spiritual enemies and we must remember the words of the greatest of all psychics resist the devil and he will flee from thee all we have to do therefore in order to prevent the domination of any evil thought or power is to fight it resist it meet it strongly and courageously with calmness and decision and it will melt before your attack like dew before the rays of the morning sun evil emotions mr horace fletcher in his little book on happiness says some very good things regarding fear which he defines as an expression of fear thought fear thought according to this author is the self-imposed or self-permitted suggestion of inferiority it is both a cause and an effect of selfishness it is the taproot of evil the body is a mirror in which all states of the soul are reflected perhaps the most extensive of all the morbid mental conditions which reflect themselves so disastrously on the human system is the state of fear dr hack took in his book the influence of the mind upon the body cites a number of well-authenticated instances of disease having been produced by fear or fright insanity idiocy paralysis of various muscles and organs profuse perspiration turning the hair gray in a short time baldness nervous shock followed by fatal anemia malformation of the embryo and even skin and other diseases apparently more removed than these from the effects of the mind were traced to the effects of fear and other mental disturbances he pointed out also that epidemics such as cholera smallpox diphtheria and other malignant diseases obtain a footing in a community largely through the fear of the inhabitants and that hundreds and even thousands of persons fall victims to their own mental conditions how fear causes sickness how does fear operate upon the body to produce sickness largely by paralyzing the nerve centers especially those of the vasomotor nerves thus producing not only muscular relaxation but capillary congestions of all kinds it is an interesting fact that fear and all depressing emotions of a similar nature serve to constrict or contract the body while mirth love altruism and all the higher emotions serve to produce both physical and mental relaxation opening up the mental and physiological doorways of the organism the term frightened to death is not a mere expression but is founded upon valid physiological and psychological laws a southern physician has reported an interesting case it was that of a big burly negro who supposed that he had been fatally shot fear had seized him with tremendous power he shook like an aspen leaf he bordered on the state of collapse and death seemed imminent not finding any blood the examining physician ordered all his clothes removed and while he was being undressed a flattened bullet fell upon the floor 
the doctor exhibited the bullet to the frightened patient explaining that he had had a miraculous escape whereupon his circulation was immediately restored his countenance improved his temperature became normal and the look of life returned to his eyes which had been fixed with the gaze of death while a broad grin crept over his face the negro got down from the operating table and dressed apologized for the fuss he had caused and walked home fear is contagious fear has the peculiar power of being extremely contagious under the proper conditions fear manifested by one person is instantly communicated to the entire company they feel little chills run up and down their spines their hair begins to stand on end and a cold perspiration breaks out here and there over the body this shows the profound effect which this emotion has upon the bodily functions and also how easily it may be acquired without reason fear has the power of almost stopping the heart and paralyzing the entire nervous system a peculiar fatigue is also caused by fear as has been proved by delicate experiments a natural and normal way to overcome fear under such conditions is to open the mind to natural faith and normal trust let the psychic forces be allied with faith and health let fear be finally and forever cast down and banished from the mental domain this may often be brought about by reasoning though an effort of will is generally necessary also a determined opposition accompanied by trust faith in wise protection faith in your own powers and in the help of friendly spiritual monitors are of the greatest use and benefit in overcoming this great monster fear the fear of evil spirits many people are afraid of evil spirits being alarmed lest they should influence them against their will and cause them to do certain things which they would not normally care to do even to the point of obsessing them there is a real danger here to a certain extent which will be dwelt upon and explained in the chapter on obsession but let it be pointed out that the only way to prevent such things is to keep up a normal healthful resistant attitude of mind and not to give way to fear which would be doing the very thing to invite attack let us recall once more the words of job in this connection so long as the sea walls or dikes of holland are sound and unimpaired the ocean is kept within its proper limits and cannot break through and flood the land as it sometimes does when these walls are destroyed as we know a tiny little hole through which the merest trickle of water can pass will unless repaired soon become a wide crevice and then a roaring torrent the most important thing to do is to check this in its inception for it is easy to prevent the ingress of the water if taken in time Better still, it would be far easier to keep the sea-walls in such repair that accidents of this kind would be impossible, for prevention is better than cure. Applying this to the case before us, we can see that the very first symptoms of fear must be checked as soon as they arise, for if they are allowed to continue, they will spread and work havoc in the mind, just as the waters would work havoc upon the land. The thing to do is to keep the mind so guarded, strengthened, and repaired by healthful exercise, intelligent cultivation, and control in the exercise of the will, that fear can never batter down its ramparts, 
and even should it attack the citadel of the mind, it would be quite unable to find a lodgment within this impregnable fortress. THE FEAR OF BEING HYPNOTIZED What has been said applies also to the action of hypnotic influences, which many persons fear greatly. They are afraid of being hypnotized by some distant operator, and this fear sometimes becomes with them a veritable phobia so that we occasionally find insane asylum patients who have become completely unhinged on account of this fear. We can see from this how useless, how exceedingly harmful fear of this character is, and it is more than useless, it is ridiculous. No one can be hypnotized against his own will by a distant operator in this way, as many suppose. If they feel influences of this character, these feelings are the result of their own disordered imagination, and are not due to any outside influence whatever. An individual really hypnotizes himself, the operator directing his own mental powers into certain channels, so that this is brought about. If he resists the suggestion, as every one can do at first, it is impossible for any one to hypnotize him why such fears are groundless the only way in which a person can be hypnotized from a distance is the following if an operator has hypnotized his subject a great many times and repeatedly suggested to him when in the hypnotic trance that he is becoming more suggestible that he can easily go off to sleep that he has only to think of the operator in order to fall asleep etc he may succeed in making the subject so sensitive after a certain length of time, that this condition is really brought about. The subject tends to fall into trance on the slightest provocation, but such cases are abnormal and are rarely met with, and as I have just said, this condition cannot be brought about until the subject has been hypnotized several times in these suggestions given to him. These are well-known facts which any experienced hypnotist will sustain. This being so, it may readily be seen how absurd it is to fear telepathic suggestion from a distant operator, whom perhaps you have never seen. It is entirely illusory, and you need in reality have no fear whatever in this connection. The will, if exercised, is supreme. End of chapter 3. Fear and How to Banish It. Recording by Pamela Krantz.